Welcome to Grace Free Church. I'm going to pray, then we're going to welcome our other campus, and we're going to jump right into week number two in our series called Abide. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together in this space and worship you. It's easy to get distracted. There's so much going on in our weeks and our days, and you know how each of us rolled in here today. Some of us maybe barely made it. Others of us came skipping through the doors. and All of us need you. We don't need me. Uh, we don't need more of ourselves. We just need you. So we ask that you just speak to us um, through your word. We know that it does not go out and return void. Use it in our hearts and my heart this morning to draw us closer to you and make us more like Jesus and we just give you praise and honor for all that you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome 930. It's good to see you. I hope your summer has been going good. And welcome all of you that are joining us at Tremont. We're coming up close to one year of services in Tremont. Doesn't that sound? Yeah. I don't know who's better at clapping, the Tremont campus or this campus. I love you, but if I had to guess, I would guess Tremont, and uh, we're just, oh, stop whining. Stop. We're so glad that you're joining us up there in Tremont. We love you. You are family, and those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that you're here too. We are in week two of this series, this new series called Abide. It's a, it's a whole new way of living with Jesus. And last week we talked about how Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me and then go. There was this really important command in the middle of those two things. In the Christian world, we often forget this, that, that there's this whole other command. It was follow me and then it was abide with me and then it was go serve. And how we miss some of the best stuff Jesus has to offer us when we skip over this whole idea of what it means to abide with Jesus, to remain. If some of you are rocking like the NIV versions, which is what I'm using, abide, to remain, to make your home, it means with Jesus. We miss some of the best stuff. I'm good at missing the best stuff in life because I'm too distracted, because I got too much going on, because I'm anxious about things, most of which don't really matter that much in life. I, I get all twisted up and turned around, and the thing that I miss is slowing down and learning what it means to abide in our relationship with Jesus. Now, here's something really important, and I must say this every week, and if you get sick of it, well, I just don't care. <laughs> this chapter, in John chapter 15, that we're walking through week by week in this series that my father and I designed together, um, this chapter is written to those who already have said, yeah, I'm putting on the Jesus jersey. I, I believe. I want to follow Jesus. And if you're not there yet, we love you. If you come in here skeptical or unsure about what you believe, if you're still searching, if you consider yourself agnostic or even atheist, somehow you rolled in here because you had some bad pizza last night or you're curious or, you know, a friend drug you or your mom made you or all those other reasons, I want you to know that 
You are so loved here. We care about you. God loves you. Whether we believe that, whether you believe it or not, and we are here for you. You don't have to believe to belong in this place. But you're kind of on the outside looking in for the next couple weeks. And that could be a good thing. Like, take a peek at something different than just cultural Christianity. Take a peek at what relationally, what relational Christianity looks like when you learn to follow and be in relationship with this designer of life named Jesus. Can, can I read? Is that okay? I'm going to anyway. I don't know why I asked permission. I'm going to read. I should just say, I'm going to read to you the verses we're covering. Last week we walked through verses 1 through 4. And this week we're walking through verses 5 through 8. I hope and pray that like some of us, we just take this chapter and read it once a week and just kind of like dive in. I mean, we are deep diving here into one chapter out of all the things Jesus said, one chapter, it's because I feel like we miss it or I miss it so much. Uh, let me read to you, and I'm reading from the NIV, so remember if I say remain, I'll try to add the abide part in there too. But uh, it starts, Jesus starts off talking to his disciples in verse 5, and he says, I am the vine. We've heard that before. You are the branches. He's alluded to that before, but now he's drilling it down. He said, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. And then he talked a bunch about branches in verses one through four. Now he's making sure like it doesn't get past us. It, it doesn't slip by. We don't like take this metaphor and then just skip part of it. He, he, he wants us to know like I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a, that's a, we're not going to dive deep into that little last part, but for those of you that are high performers, that place a lot of stock in your own ability, your own intellect, your own skill, your own your own like mastery of your checklist every day, that, that's probably pretty important. You, you can't do anything apart from him. He goes on, if you do not remain in me, if you do not abide in me, you are like a, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That doesn't sound great. If you remain, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That sounds much better. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. There that is again. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. I want to talk about when things go on repeat. Let's put that as the title this morning, on repeat here, as Jesus gets into this very repetitious kind of like delivery of these points. He hits them over and over again. Just the other day I was, um, you probably know what this is like, right? Like especially wives. <laughs> 
parents. I, I remember like last week I said to a, but, or not, a couple weeks ago, I said to my buddy, like, is there ever a time we get to not repeat the same thing over and over and over again to our kids? And he said, nope. <laughs> there's, never, there's never a time. You, you know, when you're saying something on repeat, although I often will view it as nagging, it's usually because it's a pretty important thing that you're trying to communicate. Or or you feel like the person is just not getting it. Don't look at the people you're sitting and pick one. Be like, all right, take notes. This is for you because you're not getting it. Or, and this is what I'm saying is really, really important. When we put stuff on repeat, it's because, man, I got something to say. And I feel like I'm not being heard. I got something to say. And I feel like you're distracted. I got something to say. And it doesn't feel like you value what I have to say, what I'm saying, as much as it should be valued. And here on repeat, Jesus is hitting this connection again. Maybe it's just so important. Maybe it's like you can't really live without it. Maybe it's like your life is being wasted if the connection is being ignored. Mm, man, I felt like a withered branch Many a day, I don't know why you're laughing. I didn't say I look like a withered branch. I said I feel like a withered branch. <laughs> this connection that's on repeat. And the language comes through again. I am, you are. I am, you are. I am, you are. Like Jesus is like, don't get it twisted. I am the source of life for you you are the recipient of the life I want to breathe into you. I want to pump through your veins I, the life I want to experience. You are not the curator of life for yourself. You are not your own source of joy. You are not your own source of happiness. You are not your own source of peace. And it's almost like Jesus is like, I'm sorry if I'm too excited this morning. I should drink less coffee. It's almost like Jesus is like, don't get it twisted. The assignment is simpler than we make it. How many of us, right? Like We, we have tried insane things to provide ourselves with a little more happiness. I don't want to, we're not going to raise hands, but like a lot of us have made some pretty bad decisions in life that we are still maybe dealing with the consequences of. Trying to curate for ourselves a little more peace. We are experts at complicating things, trying to be the ones who make our lives better. Listen, for those who follow Jesus, like he's saying there's a better way, and it's know the assignment. The assignment is much, much simpler. It's much simpler than our tendency. 
to provide ourselves, to, to be our own source. The assignment is much simpler than religion, where we feel like if we check all the right God boxes, then we'll have his blessing. It's much simpler than all of those things Jesus says, here's the assignment. Know who I am and what I want to do for you and in you and through you. And just stay connected in me. Just abide. Just remain. Just make a home. Build a relationship with me. We complicate it, but it's so much simpler. And the result laid here in this passage is fruit. <laughs> now, maybe I lost you because you're like, I don't know, I prefer cake to, to fruit. <laughs> Can we get some chocolate? I don't, I don't understand fruit. It seems abstract when you read it, right? Like when I, when I read it, it seems a little abstract. And in my study of this, I found myself saying, what fruit are you talking about? I want, I, 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 I'm catching that you're telling me that fruit is a really good thing. What fruit are you talking about in this passage? And so I did a bunch of research so you don't have to. And what I've, what most people that, that are into studying this passage and the reference, the best place they find the fruit kind of list captured is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where it says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of God, what happens in your heart, the result of this connection Check this list out. Write down what your neighbor needs. <laughs> Write down what you need. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I heard one commentator that studied this past scholar kind of break that down and say it's like, it's like experiencing the best of life and then giving life. It's, it's about loving God and loving others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When, when hear, we hear this list, what I often do is I think of the people in my life and I say things to myself like, I hope they're listening, they need a little more self-control in their life. I hope that person is paying attention because they should be a little more patient with me. <laughs> we, we like put it on others, but when it comes to ourselves, we kind of like treat it like, meh, yeah, it's abstract, okay. Whatever, love, it sounds good. Those are like nice churchy things to say. And we pass right by it. Not realizing that this list is what we've been looking for. Maybe you rolled in here because your relationship is on the brink. You're searching for something. This list is what you're looking for. Maybe you're so broken over a grandkid or a kid and the, the consequences of choices that they're living with destroying their life and you're like, 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what's missing. This list is what you're looking for. It touches on the deepest needs that we were created with. Here's what fruitful people are. The people that are like, I'm not going to let this list pass me by. I want to lock it in. I need more of this stuff in my life. I want, I'm not just satisfied with trying to satisfy myself. I, I need more love. I want more joy. I want more peace. I want more patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control in my life. Here's what fruitful people are. Fruitful people are happy. Not all the time, but generally speaking, people that experience the fruit of the Spirit, they are happy people. They have some down days, but they bounce back pretty quick to this general stance of life where they're happy. Here's what fruitful people are. Fruitful people are healthy of heart. They may have cancer, but their heart's healthy. They could be suffering from some disease, losing their memory, but their heart's healthy. They may have a broken limb, but their heart is healthy. Fruitful people have a healthy heart. Fruitful people are successful where it matters most. So many people want success. <laughs> a real success the kind of success that, that, that multiplies and leads to more success and more success and more success, it doesn't start with an accolade or recognition or online clout or people know me. They say I'm great. It doesn't, it, it starts from the heart. And fruitful people are successful people where it matters most, which means they're successful in places it doesn't matter as much, but are still fun to be successful in. It's fun to be successful at work. It doesn't matter as much as being successful in your heart. Fruitful people are successful where it matters most, and so that means they're successful where it doesn't matter most too often. Fruitful people have healthy relationships. It doesn't mean struggleless relationships. It doesn't mean perfect relationships. It doesn't mean you're not going to fight or argue or disagree or spend 15 minutes talking about where to park in the, in the, in the Target parking lot when you could have just parked already, you know? I don't know why women always feel like they know where a better parking spot is. That's not about me. That's a general statement about all women. <laughs> Fruitful people have healthier relationships. Fruitful people, their kids like them. Fruitful people, their friends depend on them. Fruitful people are rich. Maybe not in the bank account but where it matters more. Fruitful people know their purpose. Fruitful people leave a legacy that's influence carries on long after they depart this earth. And so when I skip by this whole fruit thing, I'm really doing myself quite a disservice. 
the abide I want to slide by because it doesn't feel as productive and the fruit I want to slide by because it seems a little abstract. But when I slow down enough and I ask myself, what do I really need? What do I really want to see in my home? What do I want to really see in my friendships? What do I really want to see in my life? I find this list of fruit. It checks all the boxes. But we keep cutting ourselves off. It's interesting, the context of Scripture really matters a lot, so if you were just to flip open uh, to a passage you, in the Bible, uh, you could find yourself in some pretty confusing parts of it, and reading some things that seem like, this God does, did this, or said that, or this is what happened with this people group, it can be kind of confusing if you don't understand the context, the larger story of what God's doing. And so when you read a verse, you got to understand what, what's going on in the chapter, in the context, in the time, who is writing it, who's God using to write it, and who's he using it to write it to, and God will use the writer's personality and speaking to these people here, but yet in a way that speaks to all of us because God's word is alive and active, it's not just a book. So you got to know the context. You got to know the context of the chapter. You got to know a context of the of the of the whole section that you're in in the book. It's good to know the context of the book. It's good to know the context of the whole broader spectrum you're reading and and to really understand the whole thing. You got to know the big story of what God's trying to do and his redemptive plan for the world and for you. Context really matters. I used to read the part about branches that are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. It used to concern me greatly because I knew this passage was talking to people that had already professed faith in, and every time you hear the word fire and burned in church, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, we think of the worst place, the, 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 uh, the, the awful idea of hell. That's what we think about next. This was a troubling passage for me until I started to understand the context it's not talking about hell, it's talking to believers. It says that if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches aren't useful for bearing any fruit. They are cut off and they have died, and the only use they have is to be thrown into a fire. What you have here, Jesus casting a picture of what a cut off, Life looks like. God doesn't cut us off. We cut ourselves off from God. And when we cut ourselves off, we forget this God who loves us. We forget this God who brought us this far. We forget that he is the source of life. When we are cut off, our lives are like withered and wasted Lives, that's tough. And we can see it. We don't just see it in the lives of people around us who are cut off from God and wasting their lives when they're missing out on so much more. If we're really being truthful, we can see it when it starts to happen in us too. We take the source out and our sense of purpose withers. 
to take the source out and our relationships wither. Take the source out, our joy withers. Our peace withers. There's been too many days that I've wasted and lived like a withered branch, disconnected, unfruitful, missing the best of what God has for me. Because who you are connected to, what you are connected to has consequences. There's this story about this guy named Asa. He was a king in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles, and he's just a perfect picture. I've been trying to show you guys a picture. And last week we talked about Mary and Martha and how Mary chose what was better when Martha was doing a bunch of good things. But today I want to show you a picture of Asa and Asa, same dude. Um, and uh, he's a king, and his story is recorded in the Old Testament. And uh, clearly I am struggling to find my mark. There it is. Asa was a king who took over after his dad had... Um, left the throne, and his story is found in 2 Chronicles 15 through 16. Now, here's the deal. This is going to be the fastest telling of a very complex story. So what I would encourage you to do is to go home and read this picture of what a life connected and what a life withered looks like when it's all captured in the same life, the story of Asa. Asa and his life is a picture of fruitfulness and it's a picture of being cut off. Asa did what the branch does and he ends up leaving just an anti-legacy. It says in verse two that Asa took over and he did what was right in the eyes of God. He removed all the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones. He was making way for the one true God, not all these other fake sources that the people had come to depend on. He was removing all of these distractions that the people were putting in place of God. And he was putting God back where he belonged as God. He was getting the I am right and the you are right. But even as he built it up and did what was all right, things don't always go perfect or easy, and he came under attack. Even as they built the kingdom that God had called him to build, even as he was establishing the relationships he was called to establish, he was being a good and faithful king, connected to the I am, the true source, he still came under attack and was highly outmatched by this crazy dude, he might not have been crazy, but his name sounds crazy, Zara, not Zorro, Zara, the Cushite. This Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and tons of chariots and went out to, the, out to, to, to take and to defeat King Asa, the king of Judah. It says in verse 11... Asa went out to meet him, or sorry, in verse 10, and they took up battle positions in the valley, and then 
Then Asa called to the Lord his God, the source, and said, Lord, there is no one like you. My friends aren't like you. My workplace isn't like you. My boss isn't like you. My spouse isn't like you. My, I'm not like you. My intellect's not like yours. My strength isn't like yours. My strategy on the battlefield, it's not like, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord God, for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this vast army, Lord. You are our God. Do not let mere mortals prail against us. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah and then God sent Asa, a, a, a man, to prophesy to him because like you gotta put the important stuff on repeat. Make sure you don't forget, Asa. And so he sent out Azariah, the son of this Oded dude, to prophesy to King Asa, and he said this. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like abide in me, and I will abide in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Putting it on repeat. Don't forget, Asa, how you got here. Don't forget this victory. Don't forget the fruit that has come in your kingdom because you got the assignment right. Get the assignment right. Continue. That's what that abide word is written in. It's written in the, the continue it sense. Years go on and years go on and his kingdom prospers, but eventually he kind of drifts and forgets. We can't be hard on him because we drift and forget too. He drifts and forgets, and in one of the last, some of the last years, his 36th year of his reign, that's a long and good reign, that's about to go south real fast because he forgot to keep the assignment right. Basha, king of Israel, Israel and Judah are split at this part. Uh, Israel's north and Judah's south. Went up against Judah and fortified Ramen to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hada, king of Aram, who borders Israel and King Basha. He says, let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will draw from me. Ben-Hada agreed with this strategy. It was probably a good strategy on a human level, but it was missing the source. It might have been, sounded really smart to Asa, but you don't see God in this picture anymore. There's no dependence. There's no relying on him. There's not even a single prayer asking for help or strength. He just rushes right to Facebook, crowdsources from his friends. <laughs> Gets down and 
strategizes, forgets how he got there. So they agree, and anyway, uh, God sends another person to prophesy. Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and he says, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. It wasn't a threat, it was a consequence. The fruit had escaped. He had cut himself off. And you see in the following verses the picture of a withered life, an anti-legacy. It says Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was enraged and put him in prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of his, some of his own people. The events of Asa's reign from beginning are written in the book of the kings of Judah in the 39th year of his reign, not short, long after this, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. He burned out, ended with an anti-legacy. Two pictures, connected and fruitful. And cut off and withered. What's your, what's your choice? The main point of last week's talk was abiding is an invitation and it's a choice. You're gonna keep cutting yourself off and wondering why your relationships are withered. Keep cutting yourself off and wonder why your purpose feels withered, your peace feels withered, you, you can't find joy or reconnect with the source of life who wants to give you life. It's not a threat. There are just always consequences to who and what you stay connected to. Always. You want to thrive, connect to the source. And stay connected when things are good and when things are bad. Stay connected when you're experiencing prosperity and when you're walking through a desert. Stay connected when the relationships are flourishing and when the relationships are stressed and strained. Stay connected. You want to thrive? Continue to depend on and acknowledge Jesus as your source. It's an acknowledgement that you can express in how you live, in who you seek first, in how, what you ask of him Stay connected through faith. Stay connected through prayer. And stay connected by letting his word abide in you. Man, you're here. And, uh, and so you should know that if you're here with the right heart, you already got to jump on the fruit you've been looking for all along. Push in deeper. Maybe you've cut yourself off. Reconnect with the source of life who loves you unconditionally and who wants to give you life. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much.
that you are the source of life and that we don't have to depend on ourselves or others to provide us with what we so desperately need is found, found in you. We're not good at abiding, though. We're too fast. We're too distracted. We're too busy. We're too religious. Too churchy. Help us to slow down and learn this essential part of faith in you, which is just learning to abide and remain in you. Maybe for some of us, it's as simple as like, we got to start praying more this week. You got to be our first go-to before we run to the advice of everybody else around us. Maybe for some of us, we just need your word to abide in us more. We got to dig in and Reread these chapters and let it simmer and stir around in our hearts. Maybe for some of us, we've forgotten all that you've done to get us this far. We've been cutting ourselves off from you, the source of life. Trying to source all of the things we need most through our own means and purposes. Would you help us to remember? We don't want to finish like Asa. I thank you for this gift that you offer us freely. Would you help us to be more like you this week? In Jesus' name, amen.